turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and um, <clears throat> my heart is heavy this morning uh, before we preach. We need a stirring of the Holy Spirit in our midst, and I'm, I'm excited to see what God's doing here. And I'm telling you, we had 24 people at visitation yesterday morning. That's the most we've ever had. That's exciting. We had close to 40 people at church on Wednesday night. That's close to the most we've had. We had 14 men at the, at the men's breakfast yesterday. I think that's the most we've ever had. It's exciting. It's exciting to see that. It's, it's not about numbers and all of that kind of stuff. That Numbers does not equate God's power. Just because you have numbers doesn't mean that God's in it. They're, they can get a crowd at, at the Super Bowl. Right? They got a crowd at, at Duke last night for, for Coach K's last game. People, you know, paying an exorbitant amount of money to get into to something like that. Just because you have a crowd doesn't mean that God's in it. But the more, the more we have people involved, the more we're going to see God do. And I'm thrilled at how God's working in some of your hearts. But we need to see a moving of the power of God in our church. We need to see a movement of the power of God in our churches. If we're going to see this country come back to God, we need revival, and we need revival to start here. We need God to do something. That's not exactly what I'm going to talk about this morning, but the topic certainly fits within that category. And you can probably tell what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to talk to you about giving this morning, particularly the matter of missions giving. And, uh, but it's broader than that. And of course, it's the time of year, and you can look through this little pamphlet here. This is the time of year when we reassess our missions giving. And see what the Lord would have us to give for the next year. Let me explain to you what missions giving looks like. And, and there's a, this is a, the reason I picked this thing up, and this is the first year that we're using this, but the reason I picked it up is because I think it does a tremendous job explaining what giving to missions is all about. And then you see this little, this little tear-out card on the side, and uh, actually it's made to cut in half as well. Top half is for you to keep. The bottom half is what you're going to just drop in the offering plate sometime in the month of March. I want you to pray about it, though. I want you to pray what you believe the Lord would have you to give. Uh, giving to missions through faith promise is a biblical principle. And we see it all the way throughout the Bible. But, but what, what it is, essentially, is that we make a promise to God for what we're going to give to missions. And God blesses beyond what we thought to make it possible for us to give to missions. That's why faith promise. I'm promising to give this much by faith because I don't necessarily know where that money is going to come from, but I know that if I promise it by faith that God will provide that so that I can give it to missions. That's what faith promise is. That's called grace giving. Grace giving is, is, is what provides for our missions budget so that we can support missionaries, so that we can take on more missionaries, so we can support the missionaries that we have, so we can uh, help the missionaries with projects that they have. Look, when a missionary goes overseas, most of them cannot and do not work. And so it's not like they can just magically make money appear so they can put money toward a building or something like that. They depend on churches like us to give to missions to be able to take care of those things on the mission field. It's not tithe and offerings. That, that belongs to God already to finance the, the ministries of this church. And uh, this giving is different than that. This giving goes above and beyond that to support the missionaries that we've taken, us to, that we've taken on to help us reach our Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to Jerusalem, which is home, Judea, which is the area surrounding a home, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Those are the places that we'll probably never go. 
we're still responsible to make sure that the gospel gets to those places. And we do that through missions. And missions is accomplished through local churches giving money for those missionaries to be able to go out and do what God's called them to do. Now, we're commanded to do that as a church. This is not a, this is not a pledge. Okay? This is not, this is not a, a pledge between you and the church or some other organization. This is not a pledge. This is a promise. This is a faith promise offering. It's between you and God, which if you notice, the section that you turn in on that little, that little tear-out sheet does not have a place for you to put your name on there. It's, it doesn't matter who gives what. It's, it's, I'm not going to come hunt you down. Oh, you said you were going to give this much, and you didn't. Faith promise is, an, is, is a promise between you and God. You pray and ask God what you believe he would have you to give. You write that down, and that is a, a promise between you and the Lord. And you have to rely on the Lord to provide that money for you to be able to give that to missions. That's what faith promise is all about. There's a great statement at the bottom of this pamphlet. Faith promise faith giving is money that God gives to you and through you that he would not give to you if he did not know that he could trust you to give it to missions. That's what faith promise giving is all about. And whether that's, you know, I'm going to give $100 a, a week or $100 a month or, you know, $1,200 in one chunk for the year, however you want to do it, this helps us to be able to know how much we can give to the missionaries. But the purpose of the people of God is to propagate the gospel throughout the entire world. That's our job. That's our responsibility. That's something that we can say, man, this is a great, you know, this is a great program to take part in. This is not a program that we're taking part in. This is a command that's been given to us by God to send people around the world so that they can share the gospel with those who have never heard the gospel. Every local church is supposed to be actively involved in reaching their Jerusalem, but we're also expected to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, what about the people that have never heard the gospel? Sh certainly God's going to go easy on them and just let them into heaven. No, that's not what the Bible says. And the sad thing is that we've failed as churches that have the truth of the message of the gospel to share it with people who have never heard, who are dying by the millions every single day, having never heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our failure. We should be sending out more missionaries. We should be doing more to get the message of the gospel out to those areas who some have never even heard the name Jesus, let alone to know what he did for them on the cross. It's our responsibility. Now, Paul provides the Corinthians, and of course us as well, with an outline concerning our giving to God and to missions. And specifically, what I want to talk about this morning, our giving to God through missions. I want to consider a few things from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a few of these things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to talk about this, uh, this topic. And I know uh, that what happens so often when we start talking about giving is, is everybody, uh, or many people often in, in, in a lot of churches, get, get tensed up and get, get bristly against these things. But what a tremendous opportunity we have to see God's blessing in our life by giving to missions, by giving to you, by giving to uh, giving our tithes and offerings and, and, and so many other ways that you'll bless us if we're willing to give to you. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. We thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I just, I want to look, we could really read this entire passage because all of it is talking about it, but verse number 8, uh, let's, let's actually start in verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. You put two kernels of corn in the ground, you're only going to get a couple stalks up, right? But you put thousands of them in the ground, you're going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of ears of corn. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Paul is using this as a principle for us in the Bible that if we are willing to give to God, God will give bountifully to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7, though, gives us our first point, and that is the responsibility. He says the first two words, every man. Well, that makes it pretty simple. makes it pretty plain who Paul is talking about and who he's talking to, right? He makes it very easy to discern who is responsible for giving to the work of missions. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, every man. He's not just saying that the responsibility for missions is, you know, falls upon the faithful fear or those with extra funds, but every born-again person is to be involved. God's given us every dime that we have. Do you believe that? No, no. I, I work for that money. God has nothing to do with it. He gave you the health. He gave you the knowledge. He gave you the job that you have. He gave you the ability to do the job that you have. And he could take that all away tomorrow. He could make you have to spend all of your money on cancer treatments. Or he could make you have to spend all of your money on doctor visits or blown engines or whatever. God is the one who provides us with what we have. God is the one who gives us every single dime that we have. He could, he could do whatever he wants to, but he chooses to bless us and give us the money that we have. Everything comes from him. And I believe with all my heart that one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give account to God for how you spent the money that he had on loan to you on this earth. God's not going to say, well, I'm proud of, I'm proud of how much money you made. He's not going to say, I'm so happy with how much you saved, or I'm so proud of how much you've invested or saved for retirement. I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan for retirement, but what about the promise to David in Psalms? We see in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I, there's a couple things that I noticed that he didn't say in there. He didn't quantify that by saying that it was true as long as they had saved up for retirement. I've been young and now I'm old and not seen the righteous forsaken as long as they saved up for retirement. Right? He, didn't, he didn't say that he never saw them begging bread because they had saved up for a rainy day. Your life ought to be characterized by being generous toward people, but especially toward the things of God. It ought not to be like pulling teeth to get you to give abundantly. The world likes to talk about how much money they make. Uh, there's a radio show on WRVA that some of you listen to. It's a guy... Uh, a finance guy, he's on there for an hour in the afternoon, I, I think at, I don't remember what time he comes on there, but six, six o'clock, I think. But so often, all he wants to do is talk about how much money he's making on his investments. And I, I think part of it is that he's trying to give you some, you know, advice on how to make, uh, you know, investments or whatever else. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but all he wants to do is talk about how much money he's making, how much money his investments made this year and this month and all of those kind of things. It's, it's funny to me how people dress to try to show how much money they make or they flash their money around to try to impress people with how successful they are. People ought to know how much money you make by how much you give. Wow, that guy must make a lot of money. Look how much money he gives. 
And I'm not saying our, our, our finance records of what you give to the church is not public knowledge. But I'm saying how much money you give to people, how much money you give to God. That's how people ought to know how wealthy you are, not because you're walking around flashing it around for everybody to see or talking about how much money you make or how successful you are. You're not successful because you're a good investor or a brilliant businessman or, or, or a tremendous entrepreneur. You're successful by how much you give and how much you give to God. We all have the responsibility to God through tithes and offerings and through missions. We have that responsibility. Every man, he says. But number two, we see the reasoning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7, every man, here's the reasoning. According as he purpose, purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. There's nothing more obnoxious than a person who drops his missions offering into the offering plate and thinks, man, imagine what I could do with all that money. Oh, if only God hadn't required this out of me. He wishes that he'd skip church that night and save those dollars for something else. When it comes to missions giving, there's no set amount. Every person is going to give differently. But God and our faith in God ought to set our giving. Do you believe that God can provide that money for missions or not? He owns it all anyway. God, the Bible says, owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And not only does he own the cattle, he owns the hills. They're his. Everything belongs to him. So do you think that if you offered that, that, that God, I'll, I'll give $100 a month, or God, I'll give $1,000 a month, or whatever it is, that God cannot provide that for you to give to missions? Do you think that God does not want to use you to give to the missionaries to be able to continue what God's called them to do? Of course he does. And of course he will. There's a big difference between being thrifty and being stingy with God, and with others for that matter. But I think there's a lot of people who think they're being thrifty when God says, you're stingy. Well, I've budgeted out for what I'll give to God, and I can't go above that. Don't be stingy with God. See, turn over to Malachi chapter 3. We always say that you can never outgive God. And, and everybody would say, I believe that you can never outgive God, especially if you've been in church for any amount of time. But so few people actually set out to prove it. They'll give just enough to, to make sure God doesn't get mad at them for not giving their 10% in the tithe. Right? Which, by the way, that tithe, that 10%, you ought not to get mad about that. We haven't even started talking about your money yet. That 10% belongs to God. That is a tithe. That is what belongs to him automatically. Right? God gives you 90% to live off of, and we can't let go of that little 10%. Right? That belongs to him. That's not even your money. 100% of it is his, but he said, just give me 10% back that we can use for the ministry and for your work. For his work, right? And then there's offerings above that, and then there's missions giving above that. But a lot of people are willing to just give enough, just enough, so God doesn't get mad at me for not giving my tithes, right? But look what he says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What do you think God means when he says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord? You bring your tithe and prove me. I promise you that if you give to me, I will give back to you beyond what you can even have room for. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, you think you can't afford to give to me? Do it and let me prove to you that I can give you above and beyond what you could ever give to me. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't really care about how much money you make. 
don't really care about how much money you save. I don't care about how much money you have set aside in your little nest egg for retirement or invested in your portfolio. And maybe I'm seeing that from, from a biased perspective because I don't have a lot in my nest egg. I don't even have an egg. My shell hasn't even been hatched yet. But maybe I'm saying that from a biased perspective because of that. But those things don't matter. One of these days you're going to stand before God and he's not going to say, wow, you did a tremendous job saving all that money in that bank account so you could die and leave it there. What good is it going to do you? Do you know where it counts? It counts when we give it to the Lord's work. Because even though you may not go to Africa or South America or India or wherever else in the world as a missionary, your money is going there and your money is funding the missions to do that. And it's the same as you being there doing that mission's work. God blesses that. How much money are you investing in eternity? How much are you investing in the things of God? How much are you investing in missions? How much are you giving away? That's what God blesses. Those are the things that matter. What's the percentage of what you're giving away? If I make $30,000 a year and I give away $10,000, that's a lot of money, right? If I make a million dollars a year and I give away $10,000, that's not a whole lot. It's the percentage that matters with God, right? You give God what belongs to God. You give God above what you think you can give and God will bless you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If your giving does not affect your lifestyle, then you're not giving enough. There are things, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bragging way at all. I'm, I'm letting you know that I'm not just telling you to do something that I don't do myself. We give. We give tithes. We give offerings. We give to missions. We give to the building fund. We give to all of those things. I'm not telling you to do something that I'm not doing myself. But there are things that I would like to do that I cannot because of the money that we give to God. I'm not giving it to the church. I'm giving it to God. And if it's in God's hands, then he can bless it. But it ought to affect your lifestyle. Because you know what? In the end, lifestyle doesn't matter. Eternity does. And I would much rather invest in things that are going to last forever than things that are going to last for a few days or a few months or a few years and be gone. God has been so generous with us. Not, is it not perfectly within reason for us to be the same way with him? And by the way, don't tell me what a giver you are if you're not willing to give God your time. We say that we believe God wants 10% of everything that he's given us, right? Oh, I'll drop 10% in the offering plate, no problem. Doesn't God give you every breath you have? Doesn't God give you every minute on this earth? You're only one breath away from eternity. Stop breathing and don't take another one and see what happens. You're gone. Who gives you that breath? Who gives you that life? God does. How much time do you spend doing ministry work? And I'm not talking about, you know, th things that you're doing on your own time to try to do for your own personal gain. I'm talking about being involved in ministries in your local church. Well, I do visitation every Saturday. Great. You gave God an hour. And I'm not taking away from that. I'm excited when people show up to go out on visitation on Saturdays and knock on doors and everything else. That's tremendous. And I'm not trying to take away from that at all. But think about an hour versus how much time you have the rest of the week. What are you doing for the cause of Jesus Christ? Well, I have to have time for myself. And if I get too involved in ministries, then I don't have enough time to get involved in everything else that I want to get done. Notice what's in that sentence. What I want to get done, not what God wants me to do for his service. 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We use time as an excuse. Well, I don't, I don't want to get too involved in ministries because then I won't have time to, to develop all my talents and do all the things that I want to do. How much time did you spend on Facebook this week? How much time did you spend on Instagram this week? How much time did you spend on YouTube? How much time did you spend on other social media sites? How much time did you spend perusing the news and all of that stuff and trying to figure out what's going on? And How much time did you spend on all the things that you wanted to do? And how much time did you give God? How much time was spent watching television and movies? How much time did you spend playing games on your phone? And I'm not saying that all those things are bad. Now, there's certain, certainly things in those that could be bad, but I'm not saying inherently they're not bad. It's not bad to watch TV if you're not watching things that are displeasing to the Lord. It's not bad to play on your phone if you're you know, playing things that are not displeasing to the Lord. It's not bad to look at Facebook or Instagram or whatever those other things. Most of them aren't helping anything anyway. But it's not bad. But if you were to sit down and calculate how much time you spent doing those things that in the end don't matter and don't count for a hill of beans, how much time have you spent on those things versus doing things for the cause of Jesus Christ? I think you'd be surprised at how much time you actually could be using in the service of the Lord. We think we're so busy. But the reason we think we're so busy is because we give God the little scraps of time that are left at the end of our week. Oh, I'm so worn out doing ministries. Yeah, because you're using all your time for everything else instead of those ministries. And I'm not saying we have a church full of people who are doing things for the cause of Jesus Christ. But could we do more? Could we serve more? Could we get involved more? Could we jump in and do something else for the cause of Jesus Christ that's going to last for eternity? I challenge you, over a week's time, compare your screen time to your prayer time. Compare the amount of time you spend in ministry work compared to the amount of time you spent surfing the internet. I think we'd be woefully disappointed in ourselves to see the disparity in those two times. I'm not angry with you this morning. I'm not trying to hit on any specific thing that I know about, but I know Christians and I know Christianity. And though we often try to pretend that we're being worn out in the service of Jesus Christ, I think we have to admit that the wearing out is most often not coming from the things that we're doing for the cause of Jesus Christ being worn out doing the things that we like to do and enjoy doing and, frankly, are not wrong with doing. But we spend all of our time and our effort on that, and we give the little scraps that we have left to Jesus Christ. And we expect him to bless it. I'm just trying to help you understand that the excuses we often use for why we can't be involved in any ministries or why we can't get more involved in other ministries will sound very foolish when we stand before God someday. We have the time. It's just a matter of how we decide to use that time. Are you giving him your tithe? Are you giving him your time? Are you giving him your talents? See, God, God's given every single person in this room this morning a specific gift that they can use to serve him. And it may not be that you can get up and preach. It may not be that you can get up and teach in front of a Sunday school class or get up and sing or play an instrument or something like that. But God has given you a specific talent and an ability that you can use to serve him. Are you using it in his service? Or are you, are you like the men in the parable that got that talent and went and buried it in the ground so we didn't lose it. God says, thou foolish servant, but to the servants who went out and took those talents and invested them in the work that the Lord gave them to do, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
And that's what I want to hear at the end of my life. I want to be able to use every single talent. I want to use every single ability. I want to use every single minute. I want to use every single dollar that I have that I can give in the cause of Jesus Christ. And I don't want him to say, there was money that I set aside for you to give. There was time that I set aside for you to give. This was an ability that I gave you for you to give, and you kept it for yourself. I don't want to have to stand before God and give an account for those times and those things that I could have given in the cause of Jesus Christ and didn't. God loveth a cheerful giver. That's why we should give to him. But back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see the reimbursement. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That old cliche is true. You cannot outgive God. It's a Bible promise that God will supply our needs. Whatever it is that we give toward taking the gospel to the world is not a deposit that's tossed into a drifting tide of the sea, never to come back to us. Back over, turn it back over to Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read you 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse number 10. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty. For the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. God blesses those who give. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Pick it up in the middle of the verse. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. God doesn't just bless us with money. In fact, a lot of times he doesn't bless us with money. But God blesses those who give to him. God takes care of his children, and God wants to bless you. And I'm not, I'm not speaking of this from a prosperity gospel perspective. You give to God to fund my jet, and God's going to bless you, right? You're not giving to me. You're giving to God. And quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of it that I'm getting anyway. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. I'm not out there driving a, a, a Maserati. I'm not flying a jet. All those people that are doing that, that are preaching that prosperity gospel, are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a false gospel. They're out there for their own gain. They're out there for their own profit. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying is, I'm not out here trying to make money off of you this morning. I want you to understand that if you give to God and his work, God will bless you. If you're giving it to try to impress me, God's not going to bless that. If you're giving it to try to impress other people in the church, God's not going to bless it. If you give it to God, then God blesses it. And we don't give so that we can get from God. We give because God's commanded us to do it. But when we follow that command and when we obey, God gives us above and beyond what we could ever imagine that he would give us. There's a lot of people who have given abundantly to God who are not wealthy, but they have their health. And their children are serving God. They have their family. That's how God blesses those who give to him. He doesn't always give you money beyond what you can ever imagine. It's not, not like you can go down to your basement and just sit in your piles of gold because you gave to God. But God blesses his children. They have peace. They have enough. You know how much money I need? Enough. Just enough. If I have enough to live on today, then I'm good. God will provide tomorrow. 
You remember the story of the widow woman in 1 Kings chapter 17 that took care of Elijah? I don't have, we don't have time to go to the story, but she didn't have barrels full of meal and pots full of oil. She had enough to get her through that day. And when she went back the next morning, there was enough meal in the barrel, there was enough oil in the pot that she could make a meal for that day. He says in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 16, And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. She wasn't wealthy, but she took care of God's man. She took care of God, and God blessed her with not well beyond what she could even imagine, but with enough. He gave her what she needed for today. In the model prayer, the Lord Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. That, wasn't, that was enough for today, and he wants us to come back each day reliant on him to supply. And we've been so blessed that we don't often have to come to God and say, God, please give me my daily bread. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need my daily bread today. Most of us, in fact, none of us in here have to do that. We have pantries full of food that we throw out because the dates go bad 10 years later, right? That's how most of us live. God's blessed us beyond what we can even imagine. But if it got to the point where we had to say, God, give me this day my daily bread. Most of us are saying, God, give me my daily steak, right? Give me my daily, you know, $50 that I can go out and eat with. But if it got to the point where we were saying, God, give me my daily bread, then that's exactly how it was intended in the first place. And we haven't lost anything. He expects us to be reliant on him. We have enough. And that's all that matters. And when David said, I've been young, and now I'm old, and I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, he's not saying that God gave them everything their hearts desired. God gave them enough to live on. God gave them enough to be satisfied with. Now, we in our American culture, we eat and eat and eat, not until we're satisfied, but until we're stuffed, right? That's how most of us do it. Healthy, you eat until you're satisfied. Americans, we eat until we can't put another thing in our throats without throwing up, right? And that's how we become with everything. We're not satisfied with just enough to be satisfied. We want, we want enough that I can hoard it all and just keep it and, and, and never run out, right? God didn't promise that. Oh, but you don't understand. The prices for everything is going up. Tell me about it. I know, but God's provisions to the righteous and to those who give are not reliant on the devil's economy. Matthew chapter 6, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What does he say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. God takes care of the sparrows, and they don't think about it. God takes care of the flowers of the field, and they don't think about it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know why? Because God takes care of his children. Hey, you take care of God, and he'll more than take care of you. Lastly, and very quickly, turn back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to see the reach. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 9, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. See, treasures that are given toward the furtherance of the gospel are deposits made into eternity's bank account. And thankfully, those things can never be withdrawn. Once you deposit into the bank account of eternity, they stay there forever. And that's what God blesses. 
Oh, but I got a million dollars in the bank. How much do you have in eternity? How much have you invested in eternity? Because the only thing that counts toward eternity is what you've given to God in this life. The dividends of giving toward the salvation of souls will come in long after the dollar has been spent. You remember what you did with every dollar you have last year? Think about how much money you wasted on stuff that you probably could have easily gone without last year. Right? But now think about the money that you could give toward eternity that will never, never go away. Marquis de Lafayette, maybe you recognize his name. He was a French officer who assisted George Washington during the American War for Independence. The Marquis, Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette actually had a very big help in America winning her independence. But after the war was over, he returned to France and he resumed his life as a farmer of, of many estates. And in 1783, the harvest was, was a terrible one in France. And life of a farmer was not usually that easy anyway. He was wealthy. He had plenty. And so a lot of people who had smaller farms really suffered as a result of this bad harvest, this bad crop. And so Lafayette's farms were unaffected by these crop failures. He was in different areas. He had so many of them in different places that, honestly, his operations really didn't even slow down. One of his workers offered what seemed to be very good advice to Lafayette, and he came to him and he said, the, the bad harvest has raised the price of wheat. This is the time to sell. And Lafayette looked at his worker, thinking about all the hungry peasants and all the people in the surrounding villages that were going to be struggling, and he said, no, no, no. This is not the time to sell. This is the time to give. And I think that's exactly what God is saying to us. Hey, the economy is bad. This is great. This is the time to hoard it all and keep it for ourselves. And God says, no, no, no. This is the time to give. You give to the things of God. You give to missions. You give what God lays on your heart to give, and God's going to bless. And I'm not, I, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. Give, give, give. God's going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. He will, but it may not be with money. It might be that, man, I, I would rather have my family together than have all the money in the world. How many times have you heard some billionaire say, I'd give every dime I have to get my health back? I'd give everything to have my wife back and my family together. I'd give anything that I could give to just have my fighting family back together for one Christmas. How many times have you heard people say things like that? I'm not a billionaire. Not close. But you know what? I'm going to continue to give to God. And I'm not saying that, that, that you know, that, that things aren't going to happen in your life that are bad. Things happen. But God blesses you. And you know what? I may not have a million dollars, but I'm going to have peace. may not have a million dollars, but I'll have my family. I have my family. may not have a million dollars, but I've got my health. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm not saying if you're going through bad health problems that you didn't give enough to God. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying God blesses you in ways beyond what you can even think. Beyond what you would even imagine. Beyond what we even think about a lot of times. Right? I have a car that's 10 years old, but you know what? It doesn't have any issues. I have a washing machine and dryer that I bought off of Facebook Marketplace, but you know what? They've been clunking along, and they're just fine. 
God may not give me enough money to go buy a brand new washer and dryer or a brand new car, but he keeps the ones running that I have. That's what he's talking about, about rebuking the devourer for your sake. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, I'm going to make the fruit of your field produce plentifully. I'm going to make it so that your, 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 your fruit doesn't drop early, right? That's what he's talking about. It doesn't mean that he's going to give you billions of dollars in your bank account, but he's going to take care of you. Because God's your father, if you're a Christian, and if you give toward the things of God, he's going to take care of his children. I say to you this morning, now is the time to give. Our opportunity for laying up treasure in heaven may not last a whole lot longer. Talked about it last week. Jesus Christ is coming back. And I don't know when, but I know it's soon. I want to send it on ahead while I still can. I want to impact as much of the world for the cause of Jesus Christ as I can with the time that I have left. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider what the Lord will have you to give. I can promise you from the word of God that you'll be so glad that you did. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for the opportunity you've given each one of us to give. What a privilege it is to be able to give toward the work of Jesus Christ and lay up treasures that are going to last for eternity. Ah, you put money in a portfolio, it might last you 50 years. Put money in eternity and it'll last forever. I pray that you'd help us to live with that in mind. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we prayerfully consider what you'd have us to give for missions this year, that you'd help us to give abundantly, that you'd help us to give generously, that you'd help us not to be stingy with you. And God, I pray that we'd be able to send missionaries around the world, that we'd be able to fund some of these different projects that the missionaries have that would help them in getting the message of the gospel out. And God, I pray that you'd use us in this little church here have an eternal impact for the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would